Aguilar, Wallace to his left, and he's on his way. 10, 9, 5, 3, cut down! Wonderful try! We have a mole, Jim. Digs like a demented mole there. He just bust through the defence. Just watch this. Spillane gathers beautifully. In go the Irish forwards. This is Lenahan. Bursting into the 22. Back to Bradley. Back to Kiernan. The drop of goal is over. Michael Kiernan has done it. Good evening. Welcome to the Molecast. Good evening. Good evening. Leinster. Blue Machine. Back in town. Rolling over the Scarlets. Uh, they won 54-5. We were about that. Thought that it was a little... The scoreline was a little harsh on the Scarlets. I agree. On Scarlets, even. Yeah, I agree. I thought that uh, it's a sign of Leinster's quality and how they're back up to something approaching uh, fourth gear in that they're able to score so many points against a side who, while a little short on talent, were actually very, very fit, um, put together a number of... 20 plus phase moves, showed some good penetration at stages and were a reasonably well-organized team. Like that, I didn't expect much of the Scarlets. And after the first 15 minutes, you'd said to me previously, oh, this could be 80. Before the game even kicked off, I said, we'll score 50. Uh, But after 15 minutes, I was thinking, this could be 80, you know, because it was three tries in the first 15 minutes. They were beating the scoreboard. Sorry, they were beating the clock on the scoreboard. But then uh, there was some sort of slipshod handling from Leinster. A few unusual uh, players making knock-ons. And then the Scarlets came into the game well and scored a, um, kept the ball for an awful lot of the second quarter, scored a try and you know went in at halftime 19-5 down. <laughs> so Leinster didn't even start the second half well either. But... When when they got the fourth try, I think which is Ringrose try, yeah. um, that essentially wraps up the game. And Leinster showed an awful lot of ruthlessness in just tacking score after score after score. Four tries, I think, in the last nineteen minutes or something like that. Um, so, yeah, a really enjoyable game to be at in a very busy RDS and uh, an outstanding. I would say more than a moment of comparing at the start of the game by Mike McCarthy slash Devin Toner. Leinster's true God. Um, so yeah, really enjoyable evening. And um, yeah, some some really, I, I felt a big change up in performance from the previous home game against Edinburgh. A lot of change in personnel, a lot of the World Cup players back and the difference in pace, the pace at which they played was really noticeable. Uh, did you think anything stood out in terms of like a change in the style at all from last season? I thought the most noticeable thing was the amount of massive smashes that Tyg Furlong and uh, Andrew Porter put in. Tyg Furlong came on for about 50 ish minutes yeah and looked great and looked the most energized i've seen him in years yeah big joe mccarthy also absolutely thrown his weight around in the middle of the pitch so i, I believe that sean o'brien has been taking care of defense while andrew goodman runs attack andrew goodman actually gave a, an interesting interview something which now now that lancaster's gone 
you know, <laughs> secrets out. So last season, Lancaster coached unstructured both attack and defense, and Goodman coached structured both attack and defense. I saw that, yeah. It was really fascinating, because I always wondered, like, how do those two mesh, you know, in terms of what, where, where do they overlap in roles and responsibilities? Um, and Goodman was saying now that they're going to go to a more uh, typical Goodman on attack, Ninabar on defense, Shawnee back to contact skills. But Shawnee's, that was, I wouldn't say his finger marks are all over because I don't know what Sean, Sean O'Brien's finger marks are as a coach. But in the post-match chat, it, it was, he was clearly, it was clearly uh, stated that that was his responsibility. And there was a lot more of a, a I would say, oh, I wouldn't say cavalier, but aggressive defense. The previous lads flying up quickly out of the game and trying to make a huge hit on players. And it's it's something which gets the gander up with the crowd. Certainly there's a lot of good hitting to uh to cheer at. I thought the other notable thing about Leinster was um I still think a lot of teams outshine them as jacklers, uh, but they were very aggressive in the counter rook. I think yeah. it, mainly because Josh van der Fleer is better at that than he is at jackling. But a lot of players, Keelan Doris is very good at both. But he yeah. likes a he likes a counter as well. Big Joe loves a counter. Uh, so they had a lot of people who are a lot of those players in the team who who in, are really fit and enjoy doing that. Uh, thought the breakdown was a little oddly refed certain, well, sort of throughout the game. There's a lot of lying on the wrong side. Um, so. I, th- I thought that was a contributing factor. Rooks lasting a little bit longer, and then, and then having the opportunity to to counter rook. I think it's part of the Irish style, but I think Leinster are pretty more or greater proponents of it than anybody else. Definitely that that counter attacking, and I agree completely to Josh Vanderfleer. I do think that Gary Ringrose misses too many tackles. I know that it's one of these. Become one of these accepted truths that actually shibboleth. Carry, it's a shibboleth. Shibboleth. I was going to say shibboleth, and then I wasn't sure. But it's certainly one of these accepted truths that Gary Ringo is an excellent defender, even though the stats tell you that he's not. And he, like you see him missing loads and loads of tackles, and you go, "I'd rather he made more of these than was, you know, this purportedly excellent defender." Um, he missed a few in that one, all right. But he, he misses a few, and like I understand that he, I, under, I understand that he shoots up and he, he's making guys cut in. But even I go back to that, and he he had won for Ireland as well. But I can't remember what match it was in where he basically goes up and bounces off the guy. He had won against South Dante, Africa. South Africa, uh, South Africa, yeah. And he won against Dante against La Rochelle. Which which cost lens for the game, which which you know is established La Rochelle's momentum starting. They scored from it, where he went up, he got a really solid hit, and then he just bounced off and didn't use his arms. And you're just there going, like it's 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 too often, it's it's too much. Like for second century, you gotta be dropping. That that's why like Robbie Henshaw makes those and he drops them. Um so look, he's co captain and it's a minor I don't know if it's a minor point. I think I think it's a it's it's become a habit. You know, for what it's worth. Yeah, I agree. I agree. The difference between having a guy cutting back in, oh, I made him cut back in, or yeah, I f- fucking nailed him five meters behind the advantage line is significant, you know? 
That's a big, it's a big positive making that tackle. Yeah. So look, I, I suppose we talked about, you know, what are going to be the takeaways from the Irish team? According to Murray Kinsella, on which, which I guess are like off the record discussions, he doesn't, so he doesn't detail who said it. But the the word from camp seems to be that they wouldn't really have changed anything. Like they were really happy with how everything went. They felt really fit. They thought they prepared really well. They're not going to change anything. See, like it, it's difficult for New Sephora to get his kind of work ons, but. One of the things I thought that they'd have to do is how do they round out their skill set? Like, what sort of things do they have to work on? Like, is it is it your kicking game? And I think for ring rows, like it's actually making tackles. Like it's it's getting up and finishing off tackles, and he can still shoot up and he can still force guys inside, but he's he's got a, I think, um, when's he going to get start putting under pressure? I thought James Hume played really well for Ulster. And I guess it, it goes back to that idea of competition. So Hume is, is, is a long way off Ringrose's experience, but, you know, th- there's a weakness there. But even if you've got like just Bundy Key and, and uh, Henshaw, like, that would be my preferred centre partnership and has been since the New Zealand tour. Uh, that would be the bit that I think Ringrose should work on. Interesting. I think Osborne is much more comfortable at 12 as well than 13. Do you? I do, yeah. I think that, um, I think he looks, the first two steps at 13, I think he looks slow-footed. He's actually... I was going to say that, he doesn't have quick feet. Yeah, when the, he played winger for Leinster in a game last year, I think against Munster, and when there's ground in front of him, he covers the ground really well. He's actually, like quick over a longer distance, fast over a longer distance. Yeah. But the first two steps, I think he looks like a little bit lead-footed. And at 12, that's not as vital. There's like, there's very few other. Like his handling, some of the passes he got on, away under a lot of pressure and sort of uh, in, incongruous circumstances where he managed to get a pass away well, like one where he's sort of taking a pass at his hip and just continue to turn, taking his back hip, continue to turn. Set up the Prendergast try. Yeah, really nice pass. And, you know, he has more, he has more physicality to accrue. Like he's, he's just turned 22, I think, or maybe he hasn't even turned 22 yet. And more experienced again. But aside from that, like the raw materials of, he's actually physical, he's actually technical tackler. He's got a great kicking game. He handles well. He's really quite big well he's very big he's you know six foot four and 98 kilos or 193 98 kilos um i think it's i think that's where he he will plug in and at, at the moment lens are very very strong at 12 with any number of players robbie henshaw charlie natai osborne and kieran frawley potentially um but natai is is you know, old. Uh, Henshaw's getting on and picks up a lot of injuries. And then, so maybe that's where the space opens up for him. Um, because he does, he's, he's so, he is so accomplished and he can do some pretty special things as well. You know, so the length of his kicking is really, he'd won Thumper, admittedly with the wind behind him, but it was, you know, 60 meters in the air. And the sound of it coming off the, the, the the bat just just explodes off the bat. 
Um, how did you rate uh, Sam Prendergast's performance? In the, in the words of Ed Van Edsbeck, most accomplished. Correct. Really accomplished. Uh, I felt that he was playing with better players around him. He's, he started games for Leinster before he started down in South Africa at the end of last year. One which he won in the match yet, sort of, I wouldn't say a miracle match, but a great debut, you know, great run on debut. And the second one was the absolute <laughs> slaughter at the hands and the balls where we got killed. Um, but this was his first game with a lot of internationals around with him. And he used them well. He made very few mistakes. He had one kick which went almost 50-22 and just caught the wrong, the, it caught the line rather than even the wrong side of the line. He kicked well. Um, he ran well. I, I thought he showed more pace to score his first try as a supporting runner, like a classic Sexton supporting runner. Um, I was on the other side of the pitch and that, and I'd just been looking at the scoreboard, so I couldn't fucking see it. And I thought it was Ring Rose for, like, following up the uh, JGP. So, yeah, really impressed with him. Um, again, a very young player. He has physicality too to a crew as well. And I say physically, I mean, become a better tackler and become stronger uh, because he has, he has height, which means that, you, you know, he, if he's, if you, if you're a small, if you're a smaller <coughs> 20 year old, I think it just makes it more difficult for you. Um, playing like, even though Finton Gunn came on and played well, but like a, in a, in a non-scrum half position. So like being six foot four, is a, is a difference maker for every, for any player. I haven't, not sure I've sort of phrased that right, but if he was five foot nine playing out half in that game, it's, um, you, you'd be much, I would have been much more aware of how young he was. Uh, whereas, at, you know, looking like tall enough to be out there, look, yeah, he looks relatively slight compared to a lot of the other players. But, uh, sort of a tallness, it's almost, a, like he almost gives him an authority. I remember it was one of the things I remember doing in college was uh it was a it was like a HR class or sort of organizational behavior class and the lecturer was there going, you know, what's what's the sort of the dominant characteristic of leaders? And we were like, male, as hair, and you go, Well, yes, those two. Um but height. Height is just it, it like it's a it's a tribal yeah, it's a very species, human sort of, you know, we want tall people to rule over us. Yeah. Um, one of the things Des said it about uh, Sam Prendergast, that he's very quiet, you know, he sort of, he must be running through the match in his head all the time. But Keelan Doris gave an interview and he was talking about Ringrose and Ryan being co-captains and the fact that there's quite a big leadership group and a number of people talk. But the first name he mentioned was Ross Byrne. So I think that's another... It's a kind of a, it, it'll be a dynamic for Leinster because Ross Byrne started the Heineken Cup final last year in the absence of Sexton. But but stuff tends to change, particularly after Christmas in a season. Mm -hmm. And it'll be curious to see as to what happens with Ross, what happens with Harry Byrne, what happens with Sam Prendergast. Certainly Sam Prendergast running through his options, putting real structure on the team. Playing with better players, I thought Leinster looked very impressive with them mm. at the helm. Um, as good as they looked, 
you can see that he doesn't at the moment have the same sort of processing power and all pitch vision that Sexton had. But like I think when Sexton was the same age, he was playing for Marys. It wasn't anywhere near Leinster. Yeah. Um. So I guess it's a matter of how he kicks on. But but Ross Byrne has that, like he's voluble, and that's a thing, particularly when you're playing out half and you know you're you're telling people where to go. Now, famously, that didn't work out for Leinster in the last few minutes of the match against La Rochelle when it had to work out. But um, no, it's just like again, it's it's just a. It's a sort of a feature, like, is he is he quiet or is he shy? You know, like, yeah. if he's shy, he'll come out of his shell as he sort of gets more used to it. If he's quiet, it's it's a different sort of presence that he has compared to his uh, famously grumpy genius predecessor. I think one of the most notable things about him is how little time he spends at the bottom of Rooks. Uh, oh, uh, oh which, good point. Yes, yeah, very good point. Always good trade for a halfback. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to just immediately stoke up controversy. Obviously, I am. But like, I couldn't help but notice that either because Crowley became the second choice Irish out half de facto, and then now de facto first choice Irish out half in the last couple, like it felt like the Stormers. I always get the name of these teams wrong. Were like, going, let's let's smash that guy. But I also think he lets himself get into more. He's tussles. very physical. He likes to yeah. play physical. Like he is. He has. He's Aaron si- Rodgers. Yeah, he he like punches his weight. He's not a huge guy, but he's a, he's a hard runner. He he bumps into people, and uh, he's he played is, a lot of first center as well. So yeah, he's he's a he's a more physical player than Prendergast. But as you say, doesn't particularly serve you well as a as a ten, unless you have a, like a serious playmaker either a twelve or fifteen, a guy who has played ten and can step in whenever that's required. It's a very good point. So like I, I, I said he's Aaron Rodgers. He, he, I would have said it, I think in a text message that I remember watching Rodgers play a match for the Packers. Maybe it was a wild card game. Maybe it was a late end of season game where they, they sort of needed it to get home field or something like that. And he just kept on getting hit just after releasing the ball. But he holds on to the ball and he looks and he looks and he looks and you're going like, who does not want to play for that? So mm. he's an emotional leader. Whereas, you know, like if I want to draw a parallel, I'll go with Peyton Manning for... Uh, the Colts and then lately the... Yeah, for Simon Prendergast. And not that he's oh, yeah. just churning out like just hours and hours of production footage <laughs> yeah. of social media, which is just like, Jesus Christ, Peyton Man is doing this one again. Um, but like, you know, it's just, it's offload, it's it's options, it's it's cleverness, it's height, and it's a much more cerebral way yeah, to play. Yeah, seeing the whole pitch. Seeing the whole Reading pitch. Reading the Matrix. Seeing the 60 minutes of the game rather than just bringing your O-line with you through through sheer heart. And like they're both effective, you know? Like, I mean, you're, Peyton Manning's O-line will pay for him as well, you know, because uh, they get rings. But it's, yeah, it's a different style. I guess one of the other players that uh, had an opportunity was, was Max Deegan. And Deegan gave an interview at the, yeah, near the beginning of the season where he talked about the work-ons that he had, learning to play six, you know, the sort of acknowledgement that, that that Doris was was the prime eight, and although Deegan, so Deegan is Junior World Player of the Year. Uh, I think he's Ireland's only winner of Junior World Player yeah, of the Year. Yeah, correct. Which he got playing number eight. 
Um, he's a year older than Keelan Darris. It looked to me that it was, you know, when they were sort of coming up that it made more sense to play Deegan at eight and make Darris play six. How is Darris going to be better than uh, Deegan? And Darris proved to be better than Deegan. So Deegan then is kind of, you get the sense that it's passed him by. He's had injuries at inopportune times. Um, then Josh Vanderfleer is that world player of the year. So again, like that's another member of Leinster. So he's kind of lost in the mix, but you're looking at Deegan. He's, he's been retained in the squad. He's the sort of guy that just given the sort of the, the depth of both Leinster and Irish back rows, he'll get a lot of opportunities to play for Leinster, particularly when internationals, sorry, he'll get, he'll get his opportunity to play for Leinster when internationals are away. And with James Colhan coming through and Jack Conan there, you're going, he's not really going to be a number eight again. So he really has to concentrate on being a number six. So he talked about Peter Omani and being a line-out option. I thought his line-out work was very good. Now the question for Deegan is, can he steal ball uh, on opposition line it can he become really quick in the air that he's a great go-to uh, line out option for Leinster and if he can that's part of it is he is he able to mix it enough uh, to become a good number six um, and I guess that that kind of comes down to tackle technique for me that if he can if he can become something close to as effective as uh, Will Connors then Deegan kind of curiously comes into the mix, almost though as a foil for Ryan Baird. Like, can he push Ryan Baird to greater heights? Because Ryan Baird's a more accomplished athlete and like he's he's bigger, but you're sort of going, can can Deegan put the pressure on Baird to become a better six? Because he's he's mature enough now to have seen Doris been really prominent at a World Cup where he's older than Doris, but he's also a good enough standard. And the the name really that came to mind when I was thinking about this was Chris Henry. So a few years ago, Chris Henry was the starting Irish Open side and the internet hated him. It's almost, but the player, the teams he played against hated him even more. It's like that's a, that's a decade ago. It's a decade ago. And while Graham Henry was, sorry, not Graham Henry, while Chris Henry had been, you know, a good underage player. He hadn't been a world junior world player of the year. No, and he had and, been a number eight, if you And recall. he had been a number eight, but he was at a stage in his career where he was at the peak of his powers, he was training really well, he's been coached by Joe Schmidt, who gave him very particular things to do, and he won a championship. Yeah. Playing at open side for Ireland. Yeah. And, like, he had two really good seasons playing at open side for Ireland, and you knew he was never going to be the long term. But that was a kind of a, it was an indication of where... Ireland's strength and depth was or where Ireland's playing stocks were. Whereas now you look at like Leinster have a former junior player of the year moved out of position because there's other players that are better than them trying to make his way. And you go, Jesus, like that, there's an indication. So he's he's a curious case of like, can he can he do it? Because he's he's got clear idea of what he wants to do. I think I think the like the line out is is a fascinating piece. Yeah. Because you- he does have the ability to get up in the air. He does have very good hands. Peter O'Mahony made such progress. And like I look at I look at Ireland's line out and I go, there's so much movement on the ground, which I don't particularly like. I'm a big fan of the Victor Matfield. Uh, it's not motto, but it's protocol or something like that. You, you might be able to think of the word. Um, of get in the air first. Get in the air quick. Get in the space first. That's the key to line outs. Box, get up yeah. quick. The like, did that so much. And so did the Kiwis against us. Yeah. yeah. Just like quite simple. Straight up. Get it. And like 
I said in the during the World Cup, like slow ball is so much better than a turnover. Oh, yeah, hundred percent. You don't have to sweat that back ball is the best ball off to attack with, because you can just run that attack now. Where you just you're the guy who probably has a name now, which I don't know, but the guy who gets the ball at the back, he just turns his back to them all, passes to somebody else looping around who gives a pass. So like you can just throw the two, do that little move, and you still have wit. Yeah. But I absolutely agree with everything you've said there with regards to the two players, Baird and Deegan, pushing each other to excel. Uh, the interview that he gave was on, on the occasion of getting his 100th cap, which is the second game of the season. Max always gives really interesting interviews. Like He should be the first person that Leinster put up. He's very engaging when he talks. Uh, he's clever about rugby. And... Uh, and uh, like when he says stuff, he never like bl- like blabs and gives the game away. But he has, has interesting things to say every time he's interviewed, and any time he's interviewed on TV, even if it's not a, a press conference thing, if he's interviewed after match for man the match or something, it's always interesting. Um, he's had one bad injury. He's had a, like a couple of other niggas, but like compared to Will Connors, Tommy O'Brien, or other, like he had one injury where he missed the whole season. He played like eight minutes of the first game, did his ACL, missed the whole season. Mostly he plays 16 to 20 times for Leinster, scores about six six tries a season. I think he scored, I think he scored 30 tries for Leinster, maybe 32 now at this stage. When he's in form, he scores tries, which is a lot. Um the line out uh, the line out piece, as Leo would say, is Peter Manny was pro like top five line out player in the world for quite a long part of his career. And especially on stealing ball like it's a big ask for anybody to get that good you know it's well, there's there's one piece about us using Deegan more but like how is he can he be one of the best line players in the world that's the question he does have an amazing jump remember which oh is probably four years ago there was a there was a bit of a, a bit of footage from the stands of there was a, a ball kick against Ulster a cross kick and it took a hop and he did this insane jump the, it was it was shot from more or less below it was on a phone he got about five feet in the air like he has a great jump but can he put the pieces together and ryan baird like, you ryan know baird has the jump incredible jump over the counter stand. move you know the yeah. cmj is jumped over the angle see once is world class like he puts a quarter in the backboard type of stuff oh. uh so it it, it that's the personnel that Leinster are playing with on their blind side. They 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 don't have a big, big unit sort of muscle creature there. Have Reese. I don't think Reese going to feature in the big games. No, nor do I. But he is big, strong fella. He is a big, strong, big headed old fella now. Yeah, big old fella. Get him in the row. Tape those ears up. Yeah. Last week we had a conversation about Dion Fury and I like how I said it. You know, finding some wayward veteran who. Uh, you know, sees the light and plays a ton of heart and becomes a World Cup winning or becomes, you know, a, a, a big part of an international yeah. team. Could you see one one bit one injury at out half? Let's say it's uh Crowley goes down. JJ Hanrahan playing for Ireland. I was gonna say that I was really impressed with JJ Hanrahan. I'd say Farrell fucking loves him. At the weekend. If, he get, if he's ever met him. He's just he's he's got the swagger you want from an out half. I I 
Connick didn't crap to bed at the end. Like the Sharks missed the most kickable of kickable penalties. So like the, the Sharks lost that match. But uh, like he showed the Co-Jones to kick that. And the clock had gone to zero, zero. And I was there going, <laughs> this is going to be disallowed. But it wasn't. And you're there going, trot back, JJ, trot back as quick as you can the to ref, the halfway. The ref said to him just a few seconds left, he said, that clock's not right. You've got time. So he, Oh, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, he did. Okay. Yeah. Um, but look, I... I I thought he played great. And I was thinking about it because I JJ was one of my five up in the original five up. So same age as Paddy Jackson. Yeah. Um, which means like his his best World Cup has just gone. And you sort of go, is he going to be too old for the next World Cup? And you go, no. sort of. Sure, it happened in the last World Cup. It was 38. <laughs> is, is, is 38. But then you sort of think, does it matter? Like, it, it shouldn't matter. It's, it's win today, win tomorrow. So there, there's a few guys now who I think are of that more august stage of their career who would be very interesting. One is Maradzi who was back. Um, Scott, so Scott Wilson. That's Marty Moore. That's translate. Marty Moore. So Ulster's, Ulster's the world. <laughs> tight head stocks are Tom O'Toole, who um, was at the World Cup, which can only have been good for him. Um, People's hero, Scott Wilson, and Marty Moore. And yeah. really what I'm fascinated with is, does Marty come back to Leinster at the end of this season when his Ulster contract is up? Ulster have two younger, um, essentially homegrown tight heads there. Uh, and Marty would do a job for Leinster in that he's an international class tight head who could fill the Michael Ala Ala Toa thing. So it just it brings down your your NIE. Yeah, it does. I, stocks I, with I, the tight head going. Jaeger has gone back to Munter. To, or not gone back, but Jaeger's Jaeger's gone to Munster. So that one and Luke McGrath is the other one that I sort of go. That he's he's been around for so long that you can sort of take him for granted. You'd but put he's him in a tight head, would you? He's only thirty. Luke McGrath can play anywhere, right? <laughs> just just can't pass the ball very well, but he can play pretty much anywhere. He's a, he's a super rugby player. He is a super. He just does not be not just not able to pass the ball very well. Yeah, like Luke is best line out of player in the Leinster squad. <laughs> Luke is a player who um he's up close to 200 caps for Leinster. He plays hurt a lot. Uh and he's such a good player in away games. Such a good player. And the passing issue, we talked about this briefly on at the weekend. Like I, I feel that one of the reasons that I felt he didn't play his best rugby with Sexton. Uh, and it came back to, well, it was that sort of feeling was reinforced by Madigan's interview of a number of months ago when he said how much sex and how out halves ordered the things around them and that he had to fit in with around, when they were at Leinster together, with, around how Sexton wanted the back line to operate because, like, Madzer didn't get the reps in training that Sexton got. And I, I feel that Gibson Park... Gibson Park's pass allowed Sexton to play the way he wants to play, whereas Luke's pass isn't great and wouldn't always arrive where Sexton wanted to arrive. And Sexton's such a big personality that I felt that sometimes Luke Luke didn't play his own game when Sexton when he was playing beside Sexton. But when he's playing beside Ross, he just plays better all the time. And Luke's a runner, not a passer. And so this is, I guess, prompted by two things. Well, one of them was Cav Casey was asking, you know, like, is there any point keeping Conor Murray in an Irish squad when he's pretty not going to be around for the next World Cup? 
and you just think, Gav, win today, win tomorrow, baby. Well, like, just win the trophy. Yeah, like they'd spend you know, all this time training together at the World Cup. Like keep as much of that squad together and you try and win the Six Nations. And make somebody try to prize the jersey off, Murray. Yeah. Like make Doak try to prize the jersey. You can't, you can't just give it to him. Um, and I listened to four years of people go, well, Sex will be too old to make the World Cup. There's no point they should pick whoever uh, ahead of him just because he's younger. And you go, well, that was patently untrue. It wasn't true at the time when Sexton was younger. It wasn't true at the time that Sexton was 38. He was on the pitch for 80 minutes against New Zealand, famously. Is that my word of the day, famously? Um, and then the other thing is that Irish lads play their best rugby from sort of 26 to 31. So as different from other different from other nations, basically. Uh, Celtic guys just tend to play their best rugby, tend to mature a bit, and there's a, I mean, like there's, there's a bit of there's a bit of sort of specious nonsense about this, but there's also the evidence points towards this is when guys play their best rugby, um, and even even like Paul O'Connell is a good example. Now Paul O'Connell played second row, which is a position that you can play your best off when you're old, but um, he was outstanding in his last season. Alan Jones played a lot of really good rugby. Late in his Deep career, in his 30s, again yeah. another another sort of second row. But like Johnny Sexton played his great stuff Peter in Omani his mid thirties. Peter Omani, you know. So yeah. like, there's a lot of. I feel that there's probably a lot of experienced guys in Irish rugby who I wouldn't I wouldn't count them out. They they could actually play their best rugby over the next year or two, and if they do, they should get picked. Oh, I absolutely agree with that. We this is something we've. We wrote about a, a lot. Um, you don't have to pick guys with the idea that this guy will get to 70 caps. Just pick the best player at the time. You know, now that best player has to be the best player. It's not just, just picking a guy because he's 28 now. But going a little bit further back than Chris Henry, who was, who will always be, to my eyes, the prime example. Gary Longwell was another one. who, When he came in, he picked relatively late in the day. Played well in pretty much every single match he played for Ireland. And it was between, say, 28, 31, that period. Get the players when they're playing their best and don't sweat. Oh, this this is the wrong age profile. That's a sort of a Dion Fury thing. But there's there's other players like Jean Klein would be another example. You know, this was the player that as he was looking at and goes, there there are younger second rows in South Africa, younger big second rows in South Africa that he could have gone with. We went, you know, need to need to win the tournament that's in front of me. So a little bit of, of short to medium termism is good for a team. You're getting a guy who's in great form, who's confident in his abilities, who, who goes, this is who I am. They almost have to always be in better form than everyone else to break the, uh, to break the, the general feeling amongst fans that this fella's not good enough to play. Or we've already looked at him back when he was 23, 24, didn't cut cut the muster. Like Andrew Conway would be another one. He played most of his best rugby yeah. late rather than young. So and it's can be difficult to find those guys. Max Deegan is is now sort of funnily enough coming to that sort of age, because he was born in ninety-six. So that makes him twenty-seven. If he's if he's playing really well. But also on the other side of the scales, it might also be who's who's the captain for the Six Nations. Peter Randy's still playing well enough. Probably should be Peter Randy, if you, even if it's only for a year, yeah, or a tournament or whatever. That's the, that's the player that everyone responds to in, in the in the Irish team, much more so than anybody else. 
Um, and the other guy I'll return to who caught my eye over the weekend as well as Jade, I thought uh, I thought Hume, particularly in the first half. Now, the weather in Belfast on Friday was horrendous and it didn't lend itself to set second centre attack and play and there, like, there was a good few handling errors. But when Hume got the ball in the first half, he carried really well. He carried aggressively, well. quick feet, uh, make gain line, and you know McCloskey was the guy who always gave Ulster go forward ball for for three seasons. Say always for three seasons, seven, eight seasons. You're saying, but particularly the last three, when no matter what they played, like McCloskey played well and put the team in his back on on occasions. And I, I guess the curious thing for Hume is, can he do something similar and they get Ulster go forward when they need it? Not not just when it's going for them, but like, can he do it in away matches? Can he go looking for the ball, which is tough to play at second centre, but but um, like he showed real ability against the Lions and like he's a, he's a lot of he's a lot of promise. I think it's still promise, but like he, he does have it. You know, he, he was unfortunate with that tour in New Zealand. He got injured in the first few minutes. Um and you know kind of didn't recover from it really well last season. Last season was a bit of a write-off for him. So I'd be curious to see what this season is like. Yeah, he has started a season well and he spoke himself about how much longer it took him to recover his form, not just his ability to get on the pitch after that, after that uh hip or adductor injury or whatever it was that he suffered against New Zealand, he sort of admitted as much as he sort of didn't find any form really last season. Um, but when he was younger, he, you know, he had a, a spark to him and it looks like he's found that again. Stuart Moore also another player to watch. Classy. Uh, oh, I think he actually is classy. He's a player I like. I'd like to see him step in at 10 a lot more or even play 10 maybe. I just think that, although, I like I, I'm not as down on Billy Burns as because he gets fucking slaughtered by some people, and I just don't think that that's deserved. Like he, he's like a brave lad who has good moments. He doesn't do, you know, I'm not like a, a fan of him as an out half. Like I just think he stands halfway back, halfway forward, moves the ball sideways, doesn't do enough with it, doesn't hit the goal kicks. Like there's a there's a lot I could criticize him for, but like some some people just slaughter him as though he's totally shit. But he shows up all the time. Yeah. He's brave. And it's yeah. just McFarlane keeps on picking him. And even when he like look, he has limitations, but they become really obvious when you're that's all you're seeing, and defenses are just going, Well, we know Billy Burns gonna do this. So we're just prep for it all the time because yeah. he always plays for Ulster. So I, I think I think absence make the heart grow a little fonder for him. That yeah. he, he's he's a better impact sub for Ulster to have because uh, he's basically an upgrade on what they had beforehand as an impact. So, mm. or if he can, you know, compete and get the starting slot from Flannery, then uh, Flannery's a good sub to have. Yeah. So to sum up, we're going to keep picking old players, uh, old surprises, old surprises uh, who are good at the line out and uh, second centers who can tackle. Who, who's your Six Nations bolter? Gleason, JJ. <laughs> Which Gleason? Jack Gleason. Oh, big unit in the monster background. Brian Gleason. 
Not Joffrey, then. Uh, well, Bronte Smith is fucking amazing. <laughs> you know, he's a hell of a player. Um, who's my six and eight? I, I don't believe in Bolters, as you know. Really don't believe in them. Um, I think I think looking towards the Six Nations, uh, a player who's Sam Lerner, I think, who I follow on on Twitter, which I don't go on to much anymore, but I, I see his stuff when I do go on. He was picking out Cahill Ford from Connacht as having like an amazing start to the season as a complete rover, doing everything on the pitch, clearing out loads of rocks, winning turnovers, passing, running. Um, he's an interesting player. He's young. He's not like one of our current centers. Uh, Connacht are playing. I was happy to see the like Sean O'Brien, the fourth or fifth, play well. The former uh, Pittsburgh Steeler, incidentally, was born in Pittsburgh, but Blackrock College student who went from Leinster. He played in the same twenties team as Tom Ahern. Who? Sorry, how do I pronounce that name? Ahern. Tom Ahern. Um, and now he's playing for Connacht. <laughs> Connacht, <laughs> the man from Galway. <laughs> Uh, he, I thought he played really well. I really liked him at, at under twenties. He was playing with the uh, Soraka. They were the two flankers, and I thought that he he's got re- he's really quick, and uh, he has a big engine like Colonel Boomer. Like he he can whether it's whether it's the second minute or the seventy second minute, he can sprint. You know if he's coming onto the ball, he's sprinting. Um, so I thought he he showed up well. For Connacht, I like Big Joe Joyce. He's not an international player, but he's a great signer for Connacht. And they lined him up like before last season to join, and he's exactly what they've needed since Quinn Rue left. And he's actually a much bigger personality than Quinn Rue. He's the type of fella you you do build a pack around. He makes a difference to them. Uh, they've always needed a tight headlock, like, mm. and. Um, their their performance was that was really enjoyable that game watching that now there was a lot of like fucking fairly hazardous stuff going on there some sort of crazy play but uh really enjoyed watching them yeah i really enjoyed watching them i saw the uh, last 30 minutes of it uh but i uh thought oh, remember remind me the name of this the byron Nelson. No, the well, he was incredibly quick. The uh, hooker who came on, Dave Heffernan, he put in serious smashes. Yeah, the last thirty minutes, this went around emptying people. So impressed by the level of physicality they were able to put up against the um, like, like last year the Sharks were entertaining but a bit batshit, mm-hmm. and now they just seemed like they, they've kept the batshit and like now they're just finding the, ways to lose. Oh, a mad losing streak, and like they have so many good. So many good uh, backs in particular. Yeah. Um, Fancy and Am. And then just like <laughs> that one, cock. and the one try they scored was so shit and bizarre. <laughs> I've never seen a try like it in my life. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just thought that once, you, you just had the feeling it was one of those, you know, uh, they just grind out the pressure and eventually they'll go over or eventually they'll get another kick and it'll just be uh, just too much for Connacht. And to win down there is, is a, it's a fucking, it's a brilliant result. Yeah. Now, next week, Leinster, Munster. Um, are Munster going to pick Frank Murphy this time? <laughs> you said you'd ask the question. You're the one who asks the hard questions. Who is refereeing? Oh, I don't know. 
Frank probably. <laughs> um, they go. The both both teams will will go fairly full strength for this, won't they? No, they'll go locked and loaded. <laughs> Fully locked and loaded as bulk suppliers. <laughs> um, yeah, imagine both both sides will like pick as strong a team as they can. I don't see the don't see why they wouldn't. Um, so I don't know. I did. Did you did you see the market for this? Is there a, bookies have Leinster at plus nine, plus ten, or something? I like that? yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. I yeah. a bit much. Probably seven, seven eight. I would have said yeah. would be. Munster don't lose by that much away from home. No, they do have tended to lose away from home a bit, but yeah. they, don't, they don't tend to lose by that much. Obviously, beat Leinster in, in Dublin the last time. They pick a strong team. Leinster pick a strong team. I presume Ross Byrne is going to play 10. Curious so, as yeah. to who will be on the bench. I presume it'll be Harry. Um, and Yeah, Neil Aber's not here yet, so it won't be like... You know... Fucking Jordan Armour covering seven back positions. It, it, it should be a big occasion. There should be a big crowd there. 45,000 tickets sold. Yeah, I mean, like, it's it's kind of a trial match in a way. Like, the with, with the World Cup gone, you do, you do wonder, will Farrell mix it up a little bit with his with his squad? Will he, will he have a learning love-in over Christmas time with, with a more extended get-together mm-hmm. uh, in Carden, dressed up as Santa? Learnings, um, isn't, isn't it? Yeah. Because there's a lot of guys around, and and you you don't have the obvious endpoint of a World Cup at the end where you have to get down to 33. They're going on tour to South Africa, and you need about 50 players for that tour. Yeah, and you're you're sort of at you're at that mix where you go. I want to pick the guys who are in form, who might be older. I want to pick guys who are going to be like the look of who are sort of you know could be on the start of the journey in the four years and. Just widen the net and, and and get guys in because they have that emerging Ireland series of matches or one oh, yeah. one off match in is it January or February against Portugal? Yeah. Um they have a combined provinces team torn Italy as at well. Under twenty level. Yeah. Yeah. Which so you know, so there's there's a few interesting and this isn't the first interpro, but it's you know, it's the champions playing the perennial standard bears in a venue where Munster turned over Leinster the last time they played them for the first time in ages so it's it'll it'll be a good sort of a, a good indication it's exciting yeah it is exciting it's a good indication of of where Ireland of where Ireland stand I suppose as well like it, it takes place in a league it's it's a big win for Leinster if they get it um they're missing a lot of internationals for the beginning of the season. Those internationals have started to come back. They're playing extremely well. They make a real difference when they come back. And Leinster are still top. Whereas Munster aren't that far behind them, but you know, have, have faltered a little bit here and there. Uh drew against Treviso. So if lost to Ulster, so like if Leinster can turn over Munster again, I don't think it changes Munster getting to the playoffs. But it opens up quite a big gap and look, home field advantage, albeit the Leinster loss last time, you you definitely want to have it. 
Um, whereas if Munster could turn over Leinster again, it's it's a huge win. It's like it's an eight point win beating Leinster at home. Yeah. At home when they're at home. Yeah. Yeah. I seen a hand. I seen a vision. It was reaching through the clouds to risk a dream. A shadow crossed the sky and it crushed it to the ground just like a beast. The old man's back again. Oh, man. 